Um, so I'm going to ask Helen to come and share as we continue on the series. Well, that's embarrassing. Hi. Um, I've changed a few shades of colour over the summer. It was a nice summer, wasn't it? <laughs> Did everybody have a good summer? Good, good. Um, well, I could talk about the weather and the summer all the time, but I probably need to push on, as it were. Um, let's go straight into the verse, because I think the, this passage speaks for itself. It's an amazing passage, an amazing, exciting pas- passage. I'm going to try and use exciting a few less times this time, because apparently somebody was counting me last time I preached, and I used it around the 20. But don't start counting. Just be stirred if I start, because I can't stop once I say exciting once. It will come out 100 times. So, exciting passage. So let's have the first slide up, please. It's, oh, I didn't write down where it's from. It's from Mark chapter 2. And the verses, are they obvious on there? 1 to 12. Sorry about that. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. I've got excited about the passage already. Sorry about that. But he preached the word to them. He preached the word to them. And that's why they were flocking. The word is such a powerful, powerful thing. The word is the truth of who God is. And he was preaching the word to them. The news of Jesus was starting to spread fast and people were getting to know about him. But when they got there, he was preaching the word to them. I want signs and wonders. I want what happens next in the scripture. We'll hear that now. But preaching the word, preaching the word, remembering the word, remembering the truth of the word. So let's continue. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the the mat the man was lying on. I've got to pause again. They dug through the roof. We don't dig through roofs. They dug through the roof. It doesn't say how far these guys had come, but they were carrying their mate on a mat. That doesn't sound comfortable. They were carrying him, and it may have been miles. I'm going to look at that in a bit. Let's just carry on with the scripture for now. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, I love this line, why does this fellow talk like that? You can kind of hear the tone. He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. He just knew it. He could just tell. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier? To say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. Or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority, authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in view, full view of them all. This amazed everyone, 
And they praise God saying, we have never seen anything like this. They probably said, and I'm a bit excited, wow. They would have said, wow, this happened. This happened. This man was they dug through the roof. They lowered their friend. He was healed. And they went, wow. We have never seen anything like this. Jesus addresses the people there. He addresses every one of the people there. He addresses the guys who are carrying, carrying their mating. He's pretty, pretty cool about the fact that they've done that. He addresses the mockers, the religious guys. He addresses the man because he gets healed. And Jesus' authority and the enthusiasm of the people, this is a bustling, exciting time, isn't it? It seems like a place I want to be. Faith-filled time. What about it? What about it for us? Do we want this? Do we want this? Do we want this to be a place where people are digging through the roofs? I'm not, I'm not saying that out loud. But do we want this? Let's just read verses 3 and 5. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. It happened. My first question to us today, which I know the answer is yes, but I'm going to answer it, ask it anyway, is do we believe this? Do we believe that it happened first? Do we believe it? I think we do. I think most of us would say, yes, we believe it. There is more evidence to suggest that this is the truth than that it isn't. There's historical evidence. There's good evidence to say that this is true. There is more, we've got more, without experience, just on knowledge alone, we've got more reason to believe that this is true. Jesus forgives. Jesus saves. Jesus heals. Therefore, the obvious, obvious conclusion is he's the answer for this guy's mate. These guys' mate. He's the obvious answer. Our mate's paralyzed. Jesus is in town. Let's get him to, them, to him. Let's get him to him. This roof thing, some people say the roof wasn't that high a roof. Some people say well, it was a quite a high roof. Whatever height the roof was, it wasn't a door. That's, that's, if we take nothing home today, it wasn't the door. It was not the normal way of getting into a building. They took extreme measures to get in. Jesus was absolutely on fire with his teaching. He was teaching from the word, and people wanted to be there, and they wanted to bring their friends. These people wanted Jesus' truth because Jesus is amazing. They made jolly sure, jolly, I use the word jolly, they made jolly sure that they were going to bring their friend to where Jesus is. Firstly, this question, they believed it was going to make a difference. Firstly, what would be the point of carrying him otherwise? I'm imagining them do you ever, ever pick up a child on a sheet with one in each corner and kind of swing them around? I'm imagining them carrying this mat, one on each corner. 
because they believed. They believed it was going to make a difference. And it was going to be a healing for their friend. It's absolutely certain in their minds that this was going to be worthwhile. God will break in was the expectation. And what gets me is they didn't know the whole story like we do. They didn't know, because we know, don't we? We know that several chapters later, when we're reading the story, Jesus beats death. We know he rose again. We know he has beaten the power of darkness. Are we willing to remember right back to the beginning of our own faith about what we believed about Jesus then? When we made a commitment to follow him, some of us have, some of us haven't. But when we're considering Jesus... If we make a decision to follow him, we have to have concluded it's going to make a difference. We have to conclude that we believe in him. What did we believe about Jesus then? What do we believe about him now? Do we believe this kind of Jesus happens now? Is there any one of us, any one of us in pain this morning? I'm sure there are. Have any of us got friends who are not well this morning? Family members? I'm sure we have. We're going to be praying later. We're going to be praying for our friends. We're going to be praying for one another. I'm saying that now so you can get ready in your heart because actually, do we believe this? If we believe this, then what's the point of not praying? What's the point of not coming to Jesus? How much do we believe that we and our friends can be free, can be healed of the things, the things that we were prophesying about this morning, the things that were coming? Do we want to carry those burdens around anymore? Do we want to be free from them? If we've got physical pain, do we want to just say, oh, that's something I'm dealing with, something I battle with? Seven years ago, I fell on my knee. I didn't bother going to the doctors. I've been so proud I've been ridiculous. I do this half-hearted prayer for my knee because I know it's kind of my fault. You know, like, actually, Jesus. I know that in church in the 21st century, we face past disappointments when it comes to praying for people. And they are real disappointments. And they are real pain. And actually, some of that pain we need to bring back to Jesus. Otherwise, we're just carrying it, saying, oh, I do believe it, kind of, but it didn't happen, so I'm never going to do it again. We need to bring that pain to Jesus, too. Actually, does our feeling about Jesus change who Jesus is? No. Jesus can heal. Jesus does heal. Jesus breaks into our lives. Jesus does break into our lives, doesn't he? And he is the same Jesus now as he was then. I want to encourage us to celebrate other people's stories of freedom, other people's stories of healing. Somehow this kind of combats our own disappointment sometimes. Instead of saying, oh, it's not fair that they got healed and my friend didn't get healed, let's celebrate everyone's healings that we hear about. Let's celebrate. Let's be kind with our generosity about other people's breakthroughs in Jesus. So do we trust God? Do we trust that Jesus is over and above everything? Everything. Jesus loves our friends and family. So we have to come to him again. 
And we have to trust him again and put things back under his sovereign plan. Otherwise, otherwise, my question is, what's the point? We're not just a club, are we? We know that. We're not just, it's a pleasant thing to go and join with other Christians. Jesus is our head. Jesus is the covering of our church. Jesus is everything that our church looks to. And we come to celebrate in who he is. And I am suggesting again today, he is the same Jesus today as he was then. What these guys did, I'll just put this out there, it wasn't a very British thing to do, was it? I don't think the roof thing had been risk assessed. And I don't think Jesus said, careful, don't drop him on his head. I think that's what we do. Oh, 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 is it okay? Is it okay? And we don't only do that with the practicalities of bringing people to be healed. We do it with what's going on emotionally, what's going on spiritually. We kind of risk assess. Is this guest-friendly enough? Is this okay for someone who doesn't yet know Jesus? Which brings me to my next point. Yeah, there was a point at the first time. There was a point. It was, do we believe it? And the next one is, how much do we care about our friends? And I want to answer quickly, I believe we care about our friends. Christian friends, our family, people who are not yet Christians, we do care about our friends. I know we do. So these guys are saying, this is our mate. We're going to carry him into Jesus because he needs healing and Jesus is the man. I wonder sometimes, do we show our care just in our reserved way or do we show it in every way? So um, bear with me for a little bit, but do we show, I think we will pray for our friends. And if we don't, I would encourage us to do so because praying privately is amazing. I love the fact that when we go to our room, like Jesus told us to, when we go and we pray privately, massive things happen in the heavenlies. That's exciting, isn't it? Exciting. What else do we do? We may well pray within our small groups for our friends who might be in pain or not yet know Jesus. That may well be happening. And I would encourage us to do that more and more. Sometimes we may just about summon them up to bring them to something like Terry was talking about before, like are we going to bring them to a carol service or are we going to bring them to a social or something like that. And I would again encourage us to do that because all of these things are normal things to do with our friends. But sometimes that's so hard, isn't it? What are we afraid of with bringing our friends to this place, which is representing Jesus? What do we get scared about? What do we, what do we fear? I think one of the things we fear is that someone strange might speak to them. Do we? I think most of our friends have had someone strange speak to them before. I think that might have already happened. Or maybe we're scared of no one speaking to them. I could pretty much guarantee that if someone brought their friend to one of us in this building and they spoke to us, none of us would go. Would they? Nobody would do that. I don't know why I'm saying all that anyway. But anyway, we can pray for this moment of bringing our friends to Jesus, however it might look. Sunday morning, I'm going to do a massive, massive generalization of how I have sort of brought my friends to a Sunday morning. 
I wonder whether it will resonate with any of you. There is a proviso with this statement, and it's no one is actually being... I'm being rude to anyone. I'm just being rude to all of us because it's a generalisation, okay? So this is what I say. Our service looks a bit like this. We don't wear robes. No, we don't do that because we're really normal people. Get that in quick. We're normal. That's what I do. I don't know whether anyone else does this. I say we're quite normal. We're normal. Then I explain just how normal we are. We're really, really normal. So when you speak to somebody, they'll be very normal back. So then you're like praying your absolutely praying with all power that the next person they speak to will be normal. But anyway, and we have a band. The band's cool. But you know what it's like with cool people? Sometimes they're a bit edgy. So they play cool music, but they're a bit temperamental. Band members, as I said, no offence meant. And remember Jimmy from The Office? He's in a band, and he can be a bit temperamental, can't he? Well, it's a bit like that in church, because we're normal. We're normal. See? So it's the same. Then I explain what, hap- what might happen is some random person might come to the front and bring a word. They think that God has spoken to them. We all think God speaks to them, but it probably won't happen to you. Because don't worry about it. On your first visit, God will probably just speak around. Is this what we do? Or has this only been me and my deep and darkest secret I'm bringing out right now on a Sunday morning? Um, Oh, and there might be an excited person at the door. Sorry, guys. Um, Don't worry about them. I'll skirt you around them and sit you by someone normal. That's what we do. They might be too excitable for you. So so we'll just put you by someone normal quickly. And P.S. P.S. Because obviously you're writing a letter at this moment. (laughs) You might hear a funny language. That's the language we have between us and God. But that probably won't happen to you too. So don't worry about it. Now, (laughs) sorry for anyone who's offended at this point, but I'm kind of sorry, but kind of believe that this is what some of us do. Is this true? Please tell me it's true. (laughs) There was that horrible pregnant pause then that nobody said, yes, it's true. But my challenge to this seriously is, in that scenario, when did I mention Jesus? When did I mention him? I know Jesus. I love him. I absolutely love him. And I know that I've got a bunch of people here that also love Jesus. That's what I'm bringing my friends to. We meet together to worship God. The one thing we've got in common, some of us have got nothing else in common. But the one thing we've got in common is that we love Jesus. And if I miss that out of my story, I'm not telling them about the church. I'm telling them about a meeting. And I want us to... Remember that when we're talking to our friends about Jesus, that's who we're talking to them about. It's not about how the service looks. And I think probably loads of you have caught up on this way before me. My friends know that I love Jesus. They know that. My friends who don't know Jesus know I love Jesus. Hopefully my friends who do know Jesus know I love Jesus too. But why am I talking about him more? question to myself. I love him. And I know that he's their help. I know he's the one they need. These guys' mates knew that Jesus was the one that he needed. What's actually happened when some of you have come in this building? I've been told this story. Came in cold, first time. Never been in a church building like this before. They were buzzing with excitement. And that P.S. I said about 
and the funny language. They went home to their wife and said, you know what, God rocks up there and they've even got a language that they speak to him. You've got to come next week. That's what happens. That's what happens. I believe we have to be radical and we have to be culturally relevant. And that's why it's all about Jesus because he's the most radical and the most culturally relevant person I know. He's radical and he's out there and he cuts across culture and he loves. Holy Spirit presence and power is exactly what we need in this place, isn't it? Exactly what we need. The truth of the word of God unlocks God's very presence in this place and that's why it's worth coming. Do you believe that God is here? Do you believe that God is here? Some of us last week were in very uncomfortable tents. If anyone tells me that it's comfortable, I disagree, quite frankly, because tents are not my thing. But did we go there for fun? Well, some say that they did, but I, I don't go for fun. But why were we there? 2,000 people come in to share stories and make new stories about who Jesus is. There were children's work, children talking to each other about Jesus. Some of our youth were prophesying over over other youth about what God would have for them in their life. We prayed for a baby that was in intensive care, and the next day they, they were just talking about turning off the machines. The next day the baby was healed. Because we were there to seek out Jesus, and Jesus was there to be with us. The stories of guys being lowered through roofs wasn't just for them. Do we want this? I've been challenged to the core, I would say, over the last few weeks with this question from God. How much do you want this, Helen? How much? How much do you want me to break out, break into my life, break into all of you, our lives? And my reply is, lots, God, lots. I really want it. And then I hear this. Enough for everything to change. Enough to be less comfortable. Enough to not quite know what you're doing because you haven't got any control over it. You've got no order. Enough for that. Enough for this place to be too crowded. Enough for some people that some people would say are not acceptable in a place like this. Enough for that. So my last question, the last slide is, how much? As it says behind, how much? How hungry are we for God to move in our lives and the lives of others? When we got back from Devoted, I got a bit of a headache. And I said to Terry, I'm just going to go off for a sleep. And I left you know, that easy job of unpacking and things like that to him. But what I imagined would happen is I'd get woken up with a, here you are, darling, here's a cup of tea, and here's your dinner. What I did get woken up with was, around the half-ten time, Terry stumbling into the room and going to bed. And at that point, I was quite hungry. I said, oh, oh, this wasn't quite as I expected. Where's my lunch? Where's my dinner? Um, I don't think I said it quite as kindly as that. I was kind of said, where's my dinner? 
Um, to which the answer was, we've had stuff. I didn't think you'd want any. Which, he's normally kinder than this, but he knew I'd got a headache. So, to be fair to him, normally if I've got a headache, I go and hide away until I come back down again. So, but, what am I saying this for? I'm saying this because I really felt hungry. Have you ever felt really, really hungry? Really hungry. That's the kind of hungry I mean for how much do we want Jesus to break in? How much do we want this? Do we want it like an ache in our gut for our friends, for people in Shrewsbury, for people we know really close, so close relationships and blank faces that we don't know? Are we hungry for Jesus to break into their lives? I'm going to ask a question that somebody asked me at the weekend. If you knew you'd got one month left on this earth and then you were gone, what would it look like? What would your month look like? What would you think was so important that you'd need to put right? What would you be so important that you'd need to talk to someone about? I'm guessing Jesus is bubbling up more and more. Jesus tells us that everything he did, we can do too. He says he leaves us with his power, his Holy Spirit. Our Father has sent us the power of his Holy Spirit to be physically here now through us. When were we last really bold and stepped out and prayed for someone for healing because we believe that Jesus can do it? He said we can do this. Anything we pray for in his name, anything, when we're standing in his name, Jesus has got the power to break in and bring salvation, to bring our hope for the rest of our lives. We know that. Some of us have made that decision to follow Jesus, and we are know, and we know, and we know we are secure for eternity. He has that power for everyone. Do we have a bit of that religiousness about us? Maybe we do without even knowing it. Are we cynical towards those getting enthusiastic about God? What did the religious people say about Jesus? They were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus knew their heart. Immediately he knew what they were thinking because that was evidently where they were going. They were being cynical and they were questioning. Jesus knows and he hits it straight on because Jesus is all about that non-religiosity. He's all about forgiving sins, healing people, showing love, grace upon grace upon grace. And this is Jesus' bag, if you like, and that's what he says our bag is with the Holy Spirit presence. We step out into the power of everything that Jesus does when we're with him. What did Jesus do next when he knew that they were huffing and puffing about him? Did he say, all right, that's it, close the meeting down? No. He continued against the cynical, and he continued, and the guy was healed. And what then happened? Did everyone say, that's a bit weird to cope with, not going there again? Or, he must have been a plant. How many people have heard that phrase when someone's got healed on a stage somewhere? He must have been a plant. He must have been someone in you already who faked being ill, and then their friends brought him in on a mat. Anyone say that? 
No one said that because I was not cynical. This is what it said. It said, this amazed everyone. And they what? They did. Did they laugh? No. Did they get embarrassed? No. Did they say they're never going to enter there again? No. It's amazed everyone and they got excited. They praised God. They praised God, but they did say this line, we've never seen anything like that. So it's not as if they saw something like this all the time and it was their norm and back there it was the norm for people to be carried in on a bed and dropped through a roof and therefore that's why they got healed. And in our culture it's not the norm, so that's why it's not happening. No, it wasn't the norm then. It was weird then. And it still happened. So who are we, church? Who are we? I believe God says very, very clearly, we are his children. That he really, really, really loves us. And that we carry his standard of truth. That we bring the word of him to people around us. And that he will never, ever leave us. Never. And he is so, so proud of us. He doesn't beat us with a stick when we don't step out. He loves us and loves us and loves us exactly the same. And he doesn't love us anymore when we do step out because he loves us and loves us and loves us exactly the same. So why would we step out? Because of the hunger in our heart for other people to have Jesus. For us to have healing of Jesus and other people who don't know Jesus to have Jesus, to have healing in their lives so that they can have salvation and healing in their bodies so that they can be healed. I'm just going to go to the response. That word about the amnesty, it's a good word. Is it time to give up stuff that we're carrying around? Is it time to say, do you know what, Jesus, I am so grateful. I'm not going to be cynical anymore. And is it time to say, I'm ready. Here I am. Use me. Could I have the band up, please? In, that, in this first song that we're going to sing, I think we've probably shorter time to do everything that I might have thought to do. But in this first song, I just want us to get our hearts ready. To get our hearts ready and say, I believe that this is you, Jesus. I believe this is you today. And I want this in our church. I want this. I want to be free from whatever it is that's the amnesty, the bits, the bits I have to give up. I want to be free to come to you, both for myself, for healing, for my friends for healing, and for my friends who don't yet know you, to be bringing them into your presence. Is that okay? You with me? Should we stand together?